All right, bro. Let's do this. How are you, man? We rolling? We are recording. Okay. We are recording, and uh, it looks like watch all language. the levels are good. You can hear me. I can hear you. <laughs> you look good, all man. Right. <laughs> well, let's start. Let's start for the. Uh, let's let's start by saying hello to everybody because this yeah, will be our first. Uh, it's good to good to be back with you, Jason. And yeah, it is season man. three of yes. God with tacos. We're doing this you, via uh, not in the same room now, but you're looking good. You're looking good too. You got your little back back door or backyard studio there. I like that. <laughs> I am, man. It's December, and I'm in a t-shirt on my back deck. I know, as soon as the sun goes down, today. I'll put the coat on. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. I see a, I see a trampoline over your shoulder there. Do you guys you know, get to bounce have, on that? You know, nobody bounces on it except our dog. And because <laughs> I haven't done the backyard yet, I've left it this year for the dog. She loves to lay on it. She nice. may go back there and lay on it while we're talking. But uh, so you're you're good, man. How is yeah. how's it, How you doing? doing well um i mean going strong with river church surviving pandemics uh loving my family trying to yeah and uh you know uh just navigating life um it's been good though i feel like i feel like uh i've been back through a lot of the episodes of rethinking god uh i've pointed a lot of people to them and it's been really helpful for people. Um, yeah. A lot of our yeah. guests, a lot of our topics. The, the, I think the number one comment I get is, well, the number one comment I get is like, does your <laughs> church know, know that you <laughs> do this podcast? I'm like, yes, right, of course. Right. Um, yeah. But then the number two comment is, man, I like the, I like the vibe that you guys have. It's not judgy or super opinionated. There's room for discussion. There's room for doubt. There's room for opinion. And, uh, and you guys are both kind of quick to say, I don't know, or maybe I know, yeah. I don't know everything. I might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thankful yeah. for that. I think that's a good vibe. I am too, man. I agree. I think the one thing, uh, that I've gotten in the last four months is when are you guys making new episodes? <laughs> that's been the, right. that's been the one thing I've heard. We've but, both um, been pretty busy. But um, yeah, yeah, we want to make time for this. Jason and I love these discussions. Yeah, um, I mean, we we talk like this all the time. We just need to have something recording. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, t- we yesterday we planned to have this conversation, and and about fifteen minutes in, I was like, "Listen, if we're gonna do it now, let's just record this thing." We love talking about the goodness of God and what He's doing right now. And yeah, my my last several months have been crazy. I had a couple projects. I picked up a, a book I'm writing for a ball player, uh, helping him write his memoir, and then uh, uh, that'll come out uh, next year. And then also the book that we, we left off on, I'm still working on that with a hope to have uh, Leaving and Finding Jesus uh, ready early next year. The goal is still March. We'll see if I can hit that. Uh, but yeah. otherwise, man, been a crazy summer fall, and uh, we've already recorded uh, several uh, conversations. Uh, and we'll be kicking this off here with an episode right off the bat around deconstruction, which I think is probably going to be a major theme uh, so far in our conversations. It's been a major theme and probably will be this season, eh? It will, eh? Um, <laughs> my wife, my, my, I'm, I'm an honorary Canadian, Jason, you know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I can use it. Um, yeah, no, I think. I think we need to have discussions because there's a lot of certainty out there that I feel is, it needs to be addressed because the older I get, the less certain I am about things that I used to hold dear. And so I think part of deconstruction, first of all, it's individual, it's personal for each person. Um, But is an opportunity to have a space and a forum for doubt. And, uh, you know, we see this in the life of Jesus constantly in the gospels. Um, doubt wasn't discouraged. It was encouraged. And 
I think that's the thing. If your faith can stand up to doubt, then that's a good thing. And so yep. let's embrace the questions. Um, I'm very, I'm very skeptical of people who are so certain about everything. And uh, you know, you know me. I, I'm always going to land on the certainty of Jesus being God in the flesh. That yeah. God was in yeah. Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. Jesus yeah. is perfect yeah. theology. And so yeah. that's kind of our baseline. But even if someone doesn't have that baseline, why are we afraid of having conversations about things? We were talking about this yesterday. And, um, you know, I, I remember the first time I heard the word deconstruction, I didn't gravitate to it for my myself. And this would have been years ago. And partly probably because I, I felt some, some of the folks that were using it, um, when there's a reaction to something that's, that is wrong, you know, reaction creates equal and opposite reaction, you know? Mm-hmm. And so probably the first time I was introduced to that word, it felt reactionary instead of responsive, but it also didn't grab me fully at the time because it works metaphorically. But for me, you know, God is a reconciling, redeeming, restoring God. His death was about his resurrection. And so deconstruction for me makes sense, but I, I really like, uh, and we had her on Catherine Sinowitz, who has a, a group called spiritual reconstruction. I love the focus there because to me, that is the nature of God. We all know as Christians that God is in the restoring business, that that's the nature of who he is. But I get the word. I get that it became a word that is synonymous with at this point, a movement, whether, whether the church likes it or not. And that's part of what we'll talk about. And, and so I began to embrace the word because I said, Hey, this is the word that we're using. And this is the word. Deconstruction is a, is a way to repent, is a way to turn uh, from from some of these broken ideologies and discover the nature of who is. And one of the things I think we're going to dive into today is, you know, I'm a Pentecostal charismatic. That's where my roots run. And so there's been a phrase, a prophetic narrative that's been running through that that movement for 10 years, and it's called the Billion Soul Harvest. And I'm convinced the Billion Soul Harvest is actually happening right now in the deconstruction movement. And, I agree. And my concern is, is that most of the mainstream church is turning away. They're missing the, the, the very nature of what, what is taking place right now. There is a great movement happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I heard somebody say it this way. I don't remember who, so I'll just take credit for it. But um, it was... <laughs> if it's good, it's uh, all you, bro. <laughs> it was that deconstruction is the revival that evangelicals have been praying for for years. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and so don't miss it. Let's let's embrace the questions um, and not be afraid to, you know, let people dive into uh, doubt surrounding the Bible, surrounding Jesus, surrounding hell, you know, yeah. all these things. I personally deconstructed before I knew there was a word called deconstruction. Sure. And then when I sure. heard it, I was sure. kind of like, you know what? I think that's what happened. That's what I've been dealing with. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I know it's not a joyful thing for a lot of people. A lot of people, um, I think they they kick themselves and they think, oh man, I've been believing a lie all this time. And it's yeah. like, well, what if I'd have never believed a lie? What if I, you know, well, you know, the what if questions don't help. And yeah. uh, I think people have to guard against getting cynical and uh, suspicious of everything. But at the same time, deconstruction can be a, a joyful event if you look at what the future outcome is going to be. And it's kind of like Chip yeah, Gaines yeah. on the, there you the go. show that there you they go. had, you know, on, on Demolition Day. <laughs> he was the happiest guy in the room. You know, he's in there with a sledgehammer banging around. You know why he's the happiest? Because he's got a vision in his head. Absolutely. He knows the, the outcome is yeah. going to be amazing. And I don't think it's God in there with a sledgehammer. I, I think it's no. it's your own um, wrong ideas. Maybe they were planted there by respected people in the church, pastors, leaders. Um, I had yeah. a lot of things that I had to unlearn because of uh, respected past leaders that I um, you know allowed to speak into my life. And they were just wrong about some things, but you know, they were right about some things too. And for yeah. me, uh, when we can get back to the foundation and the cornerstone of Jesus, if our dis- deconstruction can at least get us to where we're, we're exposing that cornerstone of Jesus, well, now we have something yeah. else to build on. Now we can build something beautiful. Yeah. 
and, and you know what's amazing about this analogy and, and this is why i'm i love i'm i've embraced the the word deconstruct because it is it really is the word that encapsulates what people are navigating what they're going through but even in that chip gains analogy when does he get the most excited it's when he finds something old that has been used and is it, it, no one else can see any use in it and he goes, oh, we're going to restore this. And this is going to be the feature, the whole feature of the house. It's going to be the mantle place or it's going to be. To me, that's the nature of God. And so this is why I think we wanted to have this conversation to kick off the season. Because, you know, I was on a, a group page on Facebook where um, one of the, we're around Christmas time right now. Uh, one of the ladies that was a part of that group wrote a, a post. And it basically started with, hey, help I am lost. And she said, I started deconstructing about eight months ago uh, and it started with Trump. And, and she said, I, I realized that part of the church had deified him and therefore uh, wouldn't correct any aspect. He was the Christ as far as some of the churches. And so they closed their eyes to all of the broken aspects of, of who he was. And I saw the hypocrisy of, of a self-giving other centered love. It wasn't evident in how we were. And so I began to deconstruct, but she said, eight months later, I've left everything. And now it's Christmas time and I'm empty and I'm aching. And I, I don't understand how anything means anything. And I, I wanted to reach through Facebook and say, but you do know, you do know because you're a mom. I can see you're a mom and you've loved your kids. You do know what God is like. You do know. And my heart is for people that are deconstructing. I'm like, you know, when you take, sometimes we take a wrecking ball to the whole thing and we throw the whole thing out. And I'm like, man, when you do that, you're left with nothing. If you wreck the whole thing, you're left with nothing and you don't even trust the building materials. That's why early on the word didn't grab me because I'm like, I, metamorphosis, transformation, resurrection life, uh, you know, uh, rethinking, reimagining, those words grab me more because God is an actually in a restoration business. That's actually what he does because that is the nature of God. I, I don't think there's a Christian on the planet that doesn't believe God can't make something out of nothing. I think every Christian on the planet would go, oh yeah, God's in the making something out of nothing business. But the church is as majored on we're nothing and God is something. And I think the movement that's happening right now is an awakening to the fact that we are worth the blood of Jesus and we're awakening to that. He's restoring things. Anyway, I get excited about all of this stuff, man. Bro, that's so good. I, I think that's a huge theme that we probably should discuss. And that is that, um, are human beings valuable? Is every right. human being valuable? Is every yeah. human being intrinsically valuable because they're created in the image of God? And why, why has the church, you know, I mean, even in a song like amazing grace, you know, uh, saved a wretch like me, yeah. um, yeah. man, Jesus yeah. doesn't die for wretches. Uh, no, I, I, I hate the whole concept of, you know, you're a horrible, dirty, rotten sinner and yeah. Jesus just somehow his blood, you know, covers you and now God tolerates you as opposed to what I believe is the true story of the father running to the prodigal and not even, yeah. not even thinking about the past or the history or any of that and just wrapping his arms and embracing, you know. Uh, a collision with grace, I think, is what David Helzer, Jonathan Helzer, talks about. You know that you've you've had a collision with grace. You know, it brings me to the the um, Matt Chandler video that's been rolling around the internet. Uh, there was a little TikTok segment of one of his messages. Where he's talking about deconstruction. Let's play it and then let, let's let's chat about it. Let's talk about this because I think it's an important viewpoint. Here we go. Who and I? are in a day and age where deconstruction and the turning away from and leaving the faith has become some sort of sexy thing to do. I contend that if you ever experience the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, actually, that that's really impossible to deconstruct from. But if all you ever understand Christianity to be is a moral code, then I totally get it. Uh, let me, let me read this from a, a poster that I follow. And he said, the reductive language here, if you really experience Jesus, you wouldn't deconstruct speaks volumes. Also Chandler calling deconstruction, a sexy fad, uh, as if it were 
as if it weren't all neo-Calvinist throw bros. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a different uh, trail to walk down. But um, yeah, yeah I, I was a little, I was a little put off by that, you know, that, Hey, it's a, it's a sexy thing to deconstruct. Um, I would say that anyone deconstructing probably doesn't think it's super sexy. Um, their, their worlds are being shaken in terms of a belief yeah. system that they held. Uh, for me personally, let's just dive into that. For me personally, it was a belief system that I held of a Zeus-like God in the Old Testament, but a, uh, a loving, kind Jesus in the New Testament. And I, as I separated the two, um, it's like, well, Jesus I like, but I don't like this God. I don't like the God that yeah. puts leprosy on people or opens up the earth and swallows people. And so um, what had to de deconstruct for me was my firm held belief of the inerrancy and infallibility of scripture, because just because so-and-so said God said back in the old Testament, well, doesn't mean that God said what God said about himself. He said in Jesus. And so, yeah, that was a that was a huge unlearning for me and there was nothing nothing sexy about it at all <laughs> yeah and i i think um i mean i and we, you know we spend a great deal of time and we'll continue to in this season dive into the disparity between good god and our belief system and our value system i, I think for me deconstruction uh, has always been about the the fact that i continue to run into people who will put their beliefs above relationship who will put their uh, their their ideology right. ab above love and ultimately um, call it love in the process, which is then traumatic and abusive. And I've run into all of that. What what's fascinating about what Chandler what he said is, and and I understand where he's coming from. I've I've had an encounter with Jesus. I I have experienced His grace, I, and so for me, when I hear him talk, I'm like, this is the hardest part of deconstructing because your family. And your friends and your brothers and your sisters are wrestling with what on earth is going on with you. We, we, we've all experienced Jesus together. So I get where he's coming from, but I also think it's incredibly uh, dismissive to say about the people that are, are walking down this road that they haven't experienced God. Uh, it, it puts you in the position of being the gatekeeper, which again, that's the issue. It only cements in the hearts and the minds of people that are on this journey how very much they don't trust you. Yeah, because you've just dismissed every aspect of their walk, their personal walk with God. And 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 then this is the overarching thing you and I'll probably spend some time on today. I'm convinced that God is a better father than Matt Chandler. God's a better father than all of us. Amen. Exactly. <laughs> That's not about Matt. This isn't a knock on Matt. I've run into this myself. Uh, I, I have family members who are wrestling with the fact that I'm writing a book called Leaving and Finding Jesus. They're wrestling with the idea that I'm saying leaving Jesus because they they've met Jesus. They've experienced his love and his grace. And it's and it's, it's scary to them that I would even put those words on a page because they're worried people would do it. But I'm like, man, I'm so convinced that Jesus is walking down every road with every one of us that that really we're not able to leave him because God, God's love doesn't leave us. Neither death right. nor life, angels or demons, nothing separates us. So what's really happening is what's taking place. And it can be violent, like uh, what, what took place with Peter just before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane or what took place on the Emmaus Road. And for some, it's incredibly violent. With Peter, it's, it's literally Jesus saying, hey, Peter, uh, he says to all the disciples, you're going to leave me. You're all going to leave me. This is literally what Jesus says to them. You're all going to leave me or you're all in the about to hit a serious deconstruction moment. You're about, <laughs> about to hit a crazy. And Peter, because he's so dedicated to his beliefs, says, uh-uh, I won't leave you. And then Jesus says, yeah, actually, uh, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny you know me three times. But I'm praying for your faith, Peter, not that you won't leave uh, me, but for your faith, because Peter, the thing that you believe about me, you actually have to leave because it'll destroy you. And and we know this. Peter goes into the garden and he swings a sword on behalf of his ideology, on behalf of his belief system. He puts belief above love. He tries to kill somebody in defense of Jesus, and it's and and then and then Jesus rebukes him. He denies Jesus three times. And how violent a deconstruct was that for Peter? Yeah. I mean, talk about a violent deconstruct. The man. 
was in hell for three days because he loved Jesus. So I get what Matt Chandler's saying because Matt's met Jesus. He's walked with him, and so did Peter. Peter walked with Jesus, but Peter had some really broken ideologies about Jesus, some really great big flaws on his lens, and because of how he was wired, <laughs> he went he went in with a wrecking ball. That's essentially what he did, right? Yeah, he went in with right. a wrecking ball. And it, uh, man, that's like that girl who on Facebook, she's left with nothing. It's Christmas time and she doesn't know what it's, what it's, what's it all about. Right. Because, uh, you know, she's all in on Jesus and all of a sudden she realizes, oh, there's so many swords. I've had so many swords. I've, yeah. I've, I've it, there's so much brokenness, so much hypocrisy. So now she's leaving and we've, that's my wrestling mat, match with Matt Chandler. If I want to, I'm not ripping on Matt. I appreciate. Yeah. That. Yeah. But he's also scared. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think when you're, you know, when you're in leadership in a church, um, I'm a pastor, uh, you know, I've yeah. got a, a congregation and for the, however many show up on a Sunday, I've got that many different opinions. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, I'm trying to create an environment where, uh, where questions, any questions are okay. And yeah. we're not afraid to answer anything. And, um, you know, I think sometimes, I don't know, sometimes I think pastors feel pressure to have the answer all the time and to be certain. And that, you know, hey, the, these these souls of these people are, you know, it's kind of like the blood of these people are, are on my hands. Uh, well, no, not really. Um, maybe you're on a journey with them and you're serving this environment um, is that environment going to be one where, where people can ask anything, any question and yeah. be accepted yeah. and feel that they belong. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but to say to someone, I think straight up that, well, if you really had an encounter with Jesus, yeah. um, Sarah and I were actually talking about this today. And, and she said, I've had genuine encounters with Jesus that are rock solid that I will never forget. But yeah. But later in life, it wasn't that rock solid encounter that kept me necessarily because I began to have to undo some things that I had learned in, in, in religion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that had to, that had to go away and were, were difficult to deal with things that I held dear, you know? Yeah. And, that's good. Uh, that's and, good. But, but that I was sincerely wrong about. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. actually, the, I think and it's the, unnerving. It's, it's, it's scary, it's difficult. It's not sexy at all. Oh, um, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe the word, maybe he's using that word because it's so, it's so widespread. It's it's almost like it's something that's trending on Twitter. So it's huge. It's all over the world. It's yeah. big, well, but it's certainly not. And sexy. I think, and I have two thoughts, so I'm going to say them both. One, you, I know you're going to want to jump on because I'm going to quote you. I think uh, what's taking place with, with Matt is uh, is that what happened in Adam is bigger than what happened in Jesus. Mm. He's, he's, he's really afraid because right. that is the theology of the church. We have created a, 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 an entire ecosystem where Adam's fall is greater than Christ's death and resurrection mm -hmm. and all are in Adam, not all are in Christ. And because we have an ecosystem, a culture built upon that sin becomes the number one focus. It is an issue. Of course it is your pastor. I mean, my gosh, I sit across from people all the time. I'm like, man, if you stop sinning, life would be better. Like, like mm -hmm. it's a real issue, but sin is sin is its own punishment. We know this, but, but when you begin to realize that God was in Christ reconciling the world, to himself, not counting our sins, not in the in the business of counting our sins against us. Father, forgive them; they know not what they do. Right that that, that that is that is the actual movement that is taking place. That we're discovering our our union in Christ, and then and then to the thing that you just mentioned uh, with with your right wife Sarah, and we can probably come back to that. But I I meet on the other side of this. I I hang out now with a whole lot of people that would use that word deconstruct and and. Uh, you know, in the last, you know, two years ago, the mainstream church, for the most part, not you, not all, not a pile of them, but a lot of them, you know, <laughs> said, "Hey, Jason, we would prefer if you'd go somewhere else." Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I, I have, and so I'm hanging out with folks uh, on Sundays and Saturdays and other nights of the week sometimes uh, who would very much say we are in a deconstruct. We are no longer part of the mainstream Sunday morning expression of the, or this corporate model of church that we understand. And, and I'll sit in rooms and sometimes 
it'll, you know, I was in a room a little while ago and someone brought up, you know, the hypocrisies uh, in the church. And of course you can find them and the traumas they've experienced and the abuses. And before long it had gone, we, we were going around a circle and, and everyone was sharing and everyone has wounds and everyone, and it, and it was cathartic at first, but then it began to get a little bit moved toward bitterness and mm -hmm. anger and resentment. And, and of course, all that makes sense. I knew everyone in the room. I said, Hey guys, just for a minute. Um, I, I just want to tell you my testimony and I bet, I bet you all can find your story in mine. I was born into a mom and dad who went to church. I was raised within the church. I met my wife. I raised my kids. I've had encounters with the love of God in the church. I have met amazing people who, who are lifelong brothers and sisters in the church. I have been transformed and renewed and restored, experienced so many aspects of who God is in the church. So much goodness has been imbued into me because of the church, even in its brokenness. Here's the deal, guys. There is a baby in the bathwater. The church was God's idea. And, and that is what I feel like I'm on the planet right now to do. And you're on the planet. Like some of what I feel called to do is, is to be able to, is to be able to speak to the leadership and to those gatekeepers who are more sin conscious than love conscious, more afraid of what God's going to do to us instead of what God has already done and who he is in us. Wow. And, uh, and then also speak to those who are on this road of deconstruction and say, Hey, you know what love is. You know what life is. Cling to those things. Cling to what is good. Cling to the goodness of God, to reconciling love, uh, to, to, a, to a love that restores and redeems and makes whole. Don't go down the bitterness road because God is in Christ reconciling the world. He is in the restoration business. He'll take all of those broken things and he'll restore. So it's kind of both, right? It's like we're not, we're not against the church. I love right. the church. I, yeah, you know? I mean, I'm a pastor. I love the church. Yeah. yeah and I, I think you're right. I really think you're right with being more sin focused than uh, restoration focused is, yeah. is a huge problem. And you, you're right. The, the emphasis is on, on the magnitude and the uh, widespread nature of the sin of Adam, not realizing that, Hey, even though that was, in, in a word, universal to mankind, why right. are you limiting the grace of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice yeah. that he made as the one that entered death on our behalf and blew it up from the inside out? I think, I think that they just, they need to have that shift in their thinking. This is the shift that I've had. I'm actually going to speak about this this Sunday at church. Awesome. And I'm talking about, because in this Advent season, one of the statements that came up that I thought was so good, um, and I'll be I'll be bringing it up in in church on Sunday, but um, this quote from Hamilton, right? Maybe said, "Blessed is the season which engages the whole world in a conspiracy of love." We're uh, uh, in the Christmas yeah. season. This this podcast may not air around that time, but we're in the Christmas season right now, a few days away from Christmas, and blessed is yeah. the season which engages the whole world in a conspiracy of love. The, the point that I'm going to be bringing out this Sunday is a point at which the Apostle Paul in Galatians says, this one command, this is the sum of the entire law, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's well, it. Yeah. When Jesus was asked that question, Jesus said, you know, they asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, yeah. went back to Leviticus. Love the Lord your yeah. God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, yeah. right? And so, yeah. well, wait a second. Did Paul did Paul go rogue? Did he like leave the love God part out? Because he just says the whole law can be summed up in this one command: love your neighbor as yourself. And then yeah. you hear some of the other some of the other writers of the New Testament, Peter, for instance. He said, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Uh, John did it. John said, we know we've passed from death to life because we love each other. None of these writers are saying anything about loving God. They're yeah. saying everything about yeah. loving people. James yeah. said, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, and then he quotes the royal law that in his mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Whoa. Hey, James, brother of Jesus, you just left out love God. And, yeah. and here's my point. Ultimately, Jesus came to the last supper 
And he said, Hey guys, listen, yeah. a new, a new commandment I give to you, love one another the way that I have loved you. He then no, took the no. love God part out of it. Here's why I think that's important. I think because people are trying to measure their moral muscle by how much they love God. Yeah. As opposed to demonstrating the love of God by loving people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what, what things have been done in the name of loving God? Bro. People are beheaded. Yeah. The Crusades, yeah. the, in, the yeah. Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. How yeah. many things have been horribly violent and deadly because you're doing it because you love God? How much do you think Peter loved Jesus when he swung that sword? Oh, man. Yeah. It, everything was done in his love and his zeal for Jesus. Now, you could argue mostly he was serving his ideology, but that's what we do. Right. But he was he was good to his word. Jesus, I won't leave you or forsake you. And he put his life on the line. And Jesus rebuked him, literally rebuked him. And I often go back to when Jesus talked to his disciples about uh, wanting to call fire down in the city. And, and he mm -hmm. said, you know, not what spirit you're of. That's essentially what was taking place in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just what you said, what you'll do on behalf of your love for God, I think. The, the Rosetta Stone scripture to all of what you're talking about is in First John 4, where John says, we love because he first loved, which is why I'm so passionate about people awakening to their worth, their value, his love for us. This thing where you get up in the morning and your number one responsibility is to, to, to be convinced that his affection for you is measureless, you know, and yeah. then throughout the day, because then how do you love? You can't give away what you don't have. Right. So how do you love others as much as you love yourself? How do you love yourself if God doesn't love you? Well, man, every week you can go to some service somewhere where they'll tell you you're not worth the love of Jesus. Right. And that is a lie. And your love is revival. Hey, guys. I'm interrupting this podcast for just a minute so I can invite you to partner with us by giving to a family story. A Family Story is a 501, a nonprofit, and it's our ministry. And it's what allows for me to produce this podcast and other regular content. We've been living this faith journey for a long time, but 2014 was when we officially stepped away from the traditional pastoring approach to full-time ministry. It's been fun. This journey has been wild. And this last year was no less faith-inducing with COVID affecting travel and speaking. And it's been good because, hey, we started a podcast. Our passion is to create content catalytic for an encounter with the always good, transforming, reconciling love of our Heavenly Father. And so our heart through this ministry has always been that through speaking, writing, film, and music, we're relentlessly sharing the goodness of our Father, the good news. Your giving goes directly to support this podcast, as well as written content, discipleship content, teaching small group messages, articles that we release weekly, and also the book I'm writing. I'm excited about what I'm chasing down right now. We appreciate all the support, whether it's sharing, writing a review, following us, signing up for our email list, or financially. We just love being on the journey with you. If you want to give to A Family Story, you can go to afamilystory.org, afamilystory.org, and click on the Give button. All right, thanks, guys. Let's get back to the podcast. You know, my answer to people who are in that process of deconstruction, if that's the message you're hearing, get out. <laughs> yes. Leave. Yes. Don't try and fix yes. it. Don't try and change it. It's abuse. It's yeah, abuse. It's, it's abuse. And, and you know, I, I, read a, I read a thing the other day, and uh, it was, a, it was a, actually a post, I think, on the spiritual reconstruction page. And I found it really, really interesting. Um, it was uh, a post about 15 liberating teachings of Jesus that you won't hear in church. And I think, I, yeah, go for it. Uh, one of them was, you know, there's only one, there's only one litmus test to authenticate if someone gets what I'm about and that is love. Um, well, maybe you're not hearing that in the church you're in, but in the church I pastor, that's a baseline. Love, love, yeah. love is how we authenticate one another. Love, we we want to love everyone the most. Um, the kingdom of God is here and now, which means it's not something else and later. I would 100% agree with that. 
But if you're hearing, if you're hearing some of the opposites of these things, I, I would say it's good that you're questioning it. You know, a statement like God and I are one and you are included. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. And, and the fact yeah. that people aren't hearing this in church, number one, makes me really sad. But in a way, it also makes me realize, well, maybe there's a, maybe there's a new exodus happening. And this new exodus is an exodus out of the bondage of brokenness through religious abuse, spiritual abuse, uh, through people who are making statements about God that are not in line with who Jesus is, um, a, a, about control, about money. If that's, if that's what is motivating and guiding the structural church, um, then I want it to burn down, burn it all down. And, and so um, what happens after an exodus? An exodus leads ultimately to a promised land. And yeah, there may be, there may be wilderness time in between there. And that's what I kind of look at deconstruction as. Yeah. And I think you just, you just said it, burn it all down. I mean, that is, that is the ultimate that some folks are doing and I get it. Some, some folks are going, man, I, let's take it all down. And even there, because of my conviction that, that God is in the reconciling, redeeming and restoring business, he can make something out of nothing. Right. And, uh, and so that's the journey I think that so many individuals are on and that the institution is pushing against. Um, I would argue, and of course this is what I'm writing about, that there's two different lenses, two different paradigms. One is that God punished his son at a cross at all centers at the cross. And we've talked about this, so we don't have to go there much, right, but right. That, that at the cross, there is either one of two things happening. God was either in Christ reconciling or, or the father looked away and, and punished his son. And, and, if, and there, one is sin is bigger than love. And the other is love is bigger than sin. That's one way of saying it. And I think we are in a, in a moment where we're awakening to love is greater than sin. And love looks like, let's define it clearly, love looks like Christ on a cross. Yep. Other uh, self-giving, others focused, death and resurrection. You know, his death is simply powerful because God is in the resurrection business. And so that is what love looks like. And you can't get that wrong. Talk, go back to certainty. This is the certainty that when I have a conversation with folks and they've heard me talk about the sin of certainty, and we've had that conversation on this podcast, so many others have used that language. Mm -hmm. I've come back to, well, I do have a certainty. I mean, you have to have one. When you put your feet out off the bed in the morning, you're certain there will gravity. They'll go down. Like, right. this is the way we live. But where you put your certainty matters. Where my certainty is gives me the, the absolute freedom to be uncertain all the time. And my certainty is simply that God's love is greater and bigger than everything. It looks like Christ on the cross. God is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting our delusions, our missing of the mark against us. And when I put my certainty there, then I can travel down any road with anybody. Right. And I can, I can navigate any, any form of deconstruction. And this is where I want to release grace to the Matt Chandlers, the leaders. Man, I'm challenging them hard. Uh, this is where when I'm in the room with my deconstructing friends, I'm like, listen, when Jesus flipped tables, he, he, was, he was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Yep. Uh, when you can read it from that context, you realize he was, he was also for the person on the other side of the table. Mm -hmm. And that that's, that's what's going to change this world is a movement where we discover that, where we discover that we are in Christ, we are awakening to our union, our oneness, and then we see others in us as well. And, and then we can have a grace to challenge strongly the gatekeepers that that uh, are participating in a dualistic retributive mindset right uh, and and have got all their eggs in that basket and challenge them and go after it strongly but do so with the authority of self-giving others focused love i think well, that's what we're on the cusp of that's it that's it you, you're nobody is exempt from operating in love this is the new yeah. commandment love one another yeah. the way I have loved you. And, um, yeah. and, you know, the thing I always get is, well, yeah, I know, I know love, we should do love, but we also must speak truth. Okay. Well, are you speaking the truth in love is love? Yeah. You know, is love flowing through all the other virtues is basically how, how the Bible puts it. Um, something you Talk mentioned that. earlier. That's good. Yeah. I mean, to me, love is the fruit of the spirit. Everything is uh, everything else. 
everything yes. else is a tasty version of love. Like you know, there's yeah. the pomegranate version of love. That's probably joy. I don't know. You know, there's the, no, the banana's joy. Banana's <laughs> gotta be joy. The banana version of love, but it's just another version of love that tastes great. Tastes awesome. Yeah. It's like a diamond yeah. and all the facets. Love is the diamond. Uh, all the other facets are truth, justice, holiness. Yeah. Um, We're not playing a balanced game. No, no. Love is what God looks like. Every, every attribute of the nature yeah. of God is founded in love. Right. So you're not, so show me a, you're not show doing me that a holiness that's thing. void of love and I'll show you a Pharisee. I'll show you a hypocrite. There you go. So that's what I, yeah. um, you mentioned it earlier and I think it's Danny Silk who says this, that it's it's better to stay connected than to be right. And yeah. I think people are so concerned about being right that they're willing to lose connection over it. But love stays yeah. connected. Um, and I heard, I heard this the other day. I thought it was interesting. I, I, actually, some of the comments that you've made already, I've got like so many songs running through my head. We've got Miley Cyrus came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> we got, uh, you know, bring You're sexy a wrecking back. ball kind of guy too. Bring Derek. sexy back. I'm, I'm, we need a soundtrack for this one. Even I want to know what love is by foreigner. Um, now I'm dating awesome. myself there. So no, no, yeah, here's, yeah, here's yeah. the thing that I heard the other day. Who are, who are they? No, yeah. Either, <laughs> either we have a God who can't be in the presence of sin or we have a God who came in the flesh, but you can't have both. Yeah. That's so good, bro. The God who came That'll in preach. the flesh was in the presence of sin all yeah. the time and then yeah. ultimately absorbed it all by by death through death yeah not not having to pour wrath out but actually to take the punishment of sin upon himself on our behalf and now death just forever got changed into an amazing doorway and so when the apostle paul comes around and he writes something in romans 8 that nothing will separate you from the love of god not even death. Yeah. Okay. I've got some exploring to do. I've got some thinking to yeah. do about that statement because if you yeah. really believe that, then what happened in Jesus is greater than what happened in Adam. I, I, I firmly believe that we just need a serious dose of mercy and grace as as we are walking with people through deconstruction my my only my only uh like hard line statement would be hey don't leave jesus and that's really what your book yeah. is about um if, yeah. if the jesus that you serve looks like a retributive angry zeus like uh person well then yes leave that jesus and, yeah. and let's let's walk together uh, down this road of Emmaus right. until yeah. until the real Jesus is revealed to us. Because trust me, he's here. He's now. Yeah. He's walking with yeah. you. He will yeah. never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. But maybe yeah. your eyes haven't been opened to the reality of how kind and loving he really is. Yeah. What I love about, and this is what I'm writing about. And, and so it's leaving and finding Jesus because he's the moment you turn around, he's there. But what I love about, and I use the Emmaus Road as a roadmap, and there's a whole episode that uh, we talked about, the last one of uh, season two. But in short, what I love about this is that Jesus walks beside two fellows on Resurrection Day, if you know the story, from, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, about seven miles, and he shows up next to them, and he has one purpose, as he always does, to reveal himself to them, to reveal resurrection life to them, to reveal their value and their worth. All of this is what he has come to do. He's come to reveal that he's risen. And amazingly, and I love the story, amazingly, he shows up incognito so that they cannot recognize him. And even more so, if you know the story, when they begin to talk about Jesus, he acts as if he has never even heard of him. And I love this because as he walks with them, he rebukes them because they had said, we thought he was the one. He, he, he rebukes them and then he begins to reveal himself to them using scripture which is beautiful. But you know what we don't have? What we don't have is the scripture he used. We don't have his exegesis. We don't have his teaching. What we have is as they get to where they're going, he says, I got to keep going. And the guy's turning off. They say, no, no, you got to come with us. We can't let you go. They get him in the house. And what we have is when he breaks the bread 
and their eyes open and they see the risen Christ. He disappears from their sight. And then they say, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us on the road? We don't have an exegesis. We don't have the scriptures. We have their interpretation as our hearts knew before our heads knew. And this was the piece that is so much fun for me about this. Jesus disappears from their sight. As a kid, that always bothered me. I loved incognito Jesus. Who doesn't? Had a good costume on. He walked with them for seven miles. Love that. I'll watch that movie all day long. What I didn't like as a kid was why would he disappear from their sight the moment they realized it was him? And it was hard for me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this sucks. And nobody ever explained it to me. But I am convinced the reason he disappeared from their sight, because if he hadn't, they'd have messed it up with more questions that came from their ideology and they would have gotten their lens in the way. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm going to get out of the way and let that you recognize the burning. I'm going to let this relational dynamic, this deep inflowing awakening that's stirring within you. I don't want your head to get in the way. And, the, and so he disappears from this. I don't want you to mess it up and disappears from their sight. I love this story. I love the story. And I think what you're describing and, I, and, and what, what it amazes me about it is that I, I'm convinced Jesus is on every road with every one of us, and he doesn't need to go by the name Jesus. He doesn't even need to pretend he knows Jesus yeah, 100%. to reveal himself to you. He will do whatever is, he's the best communicator, and he will do whatever is necessary and walk in whatever skin is needed to reveal himself to you. And all we get to do is respond to the burning and awaken to the revelation and continue to, to say yes to, to receiving his, his love. And I'm, I'm convinced that this is, an, as I'm writing, and as, as I would describe deconstruction, I would say we are in the midst of a great repentance. Yeah. Deconstruction is ultimately repenting. It is changing the way you think. It is an about face. It is a ordained thing. And it is the gospel good news. I describe repentance lately. I've been describing it like this. Uh, I've, I've been saying repentance is when you had an idea of God that wasn't as good as reality. Yeah, so yeah. Change the way you think and agree with how good he is. He's better than you think. He's better than you can imagine. He is constantly restoring, redeeming, and reconciling. And repenting is when you had an idea, a belief, a value. And good Lord, my whole life is a is a study in, in repenting joyously, sometimes in, in sorrow, but mostly in joy because I go, oh my, you're better than I thought you were. I had drawn lines in the sand here and I had some in and some out and you came along and wiped the line out. And I don't understand what it means. My head can't get around it, but my heart, by golly, is burning. Yeah. And I repent. That is the deconstruction movement that I'm excited about. Yeah, I love that you're using the word repentance. Uh, I think th I think that's what it is. It's the Greek. It's a Greek word metanoia, and it literally means to change your mind. Uh, it, what it does not mean, and this is where I feel like people who are very sin focused, yeah, look at the word repentance as groveling, paying the penance, paying the penalty. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because what they're doing is they're projecting their own image of the God that had to had his, have his wrath appeased and had to pour it out on his son and yep. commit child abuse. They're projecting that in their own lives as well. Okay. Well then I, I need to be the one that, that grovels and pays the price and repents. That's not what repentance yep. is. It's, it's a change of mind. It's an exchange for a better idea of God. And for you and I, that yep. better yep. idea of God is Jesus. God is Jesus in the flesh. Yes. Jesus is God. Yeah. You know, the spirit is yeah. all intertwined. They've never <laughs> been separated. And so um, I, I feel like, okay, so then the role of leadership in the church where deconstruction is concerned, it, as far as I'm concerned, this is, this is I'm yeah, accepting man. this role, which I mean, yes. I'm the pastor by default. I'm the leader of our church, River Church. Um, really, it's just because I got here first. Uh, Sarah and I and our team, we really see ourselves as we're here to serve the people that God brings us, to be faithful with the people God brings us. And one thing I've been really wanting to uh, lay as a, a cultural foundation in our church is that we have to be okay with mystery. I have to be okay as the yeah. one that's teaching on Sundays to say, I don't know. Or yeah. I could be wrong, um, yeah. and 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 be open to the other ideas of 
interpretation of scripture, interpretation of things Jesus said. Um, but to me, it's got to come up against that template of Jesus, that he He is the perfect image of God. If you've seen him, you've seen yeah. the Father. Um, w- one thing I think then is if we adopt as our highest standard a life of love, right? And, and if love becomes yeah. our highest goal, if the only commandment is love one another the way that I have loved you, then what happens when you make a decision to love a person, whether they're a brother or sister in Christ or a person who is an atheist, agnostic, or you just don't even know yeah. where they're at in their, in their spiritual yeah. journey, um, but you make a choice to love them in the interaction that you have with them. First of all, you're going to stay connected because love's always a connector. Yeah. Second of all, I think what it does is it brings an awareness of God's presence on the scene. God's presence is there. It's never away from us. You can't yeah. escape yeah. it. So God was already there with that person, but maybe your decision to love them opened up and aw- awakened them to an awareness of God's presence because they felt love. They understood love. What, and what do I mean by that? What do you mean by show love? Well, were you patient with them? Were you kind with them? Were you not seeking your own self-interest? Uh, were you not boastful, proud, and rude? All those things that First Corinthians good. talks about. Yeah, yeah. These are decisions we can make to release the love of God into a relationship. And I believe it brings the awareness of God's presence. The other thing I believe it does is that it awakens desire within that person. When, when you demonstrate love to yeah. someone, yeah. it awakens a desire for love. Like, yeah. I, want know, I want to know what love is. <laughs> well, <laughs> there it is. Okay. He's here and, and we're going to enter, we're going to make an introduction here. But, um, and then I think, I think the other thing we forget, why do we forget this? It never fails. Love never fails. There's one thing in scripture that the apostle Paul said never fails and it's love. Well, that means God's, God's not a failure because he is love. Jesus wasn't a failure. Tell you what, Jesus looked like probably the biggest failure on the planet by claiming to be who he was and ended up dying on a cross at that moment. That looked like major failure. But the thing about love is it always resurrects. (laughs) It can't can't be the Phoenix that rises up out of the ashes That's it. And, yeah. and, and warms people's hearts. So uh, this to me, it, it almost becomes a double-edged sword because part of me wants to rail against the hypocrisy and the pharisaical and the religious nature of the church, which Jesus did. And, and I believe there's a, there's a place for it, but there's not a place for doing it outside of love. That's it. That's it. It's it's. There's no authority outside of love. All you're doing is is. And this is. A, I think I said this at the very beginning. Um, when you react to something, you create an equal and opposite reaction. It's it's playing in the knowledge of good and evil. It's it's dualistic thinking, and it and it's not helpful to anyone. Love is the place that that allows you to navigate that paradigm and release life and light and wholeness. Uh, I agree with you, man. I think that this this deconstruction movement ultimately sure there's lots of reactions that are taking place like you said there's lots of uh, to me um you leave this and then you play in the same spirit over here you're just right. you're still throwing rocks you're just doing it now at the, these people as opposed to these people and you're still lost but above all of that jesus is walking down the road with everyone and and we're all awakening to the to the reality and this deconstruction slash reconstruction movement uh is is ultimately about awakening to love about realizing that we are here to receive and to give it away to be conduits of his of his love and and uh i i'm with you man i i'm excited i'm i'm encouraged i I see so many folks that uh that are on this journey it's a lonely journey but there are so many um that have now gone down a road that are that are I don't know, man, just, um, I'll say this. I, I think about, uh, um, George McDonald a hundred years ago and I read his words and I think, man, that had to be lonely. Yeah. And, uh, and, and today I see, I see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of George McDonald's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so as painful and as hard as this is, uh, I believe God's in the reconciling and restoring business. And the safest place you can land is is that He loves us, and yeah. that uh, we're here uh, to love. 
Yeah. Yeah. And man, I would, I would encourage anyone who is, uh, in this place of, of deconstructing, first of all, um, don't let go of Jesus. Let, let's, let's hold on to Jesus. Even if it's just that you hold on to the fact that he was, he was a good person, whatever, whatever little hem of his garment you can hold on to, it's still super yeah. powerful. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you don't believe he's God in the flesh anymore. Um, you know what? That's okay. He can handle that. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I would encourage people to do is to realize that you are not alone. You're not alone. Maybe feels alone because of its family or a church that you've been alienated from or um, a history that you grew up with that is no longer connected with you. But it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, the prophet uh, and his servant who was out there, you know, looking at the army that's surrounding them. And the prophet said, oh, Lord, open his eyes. And he opens his eyes. He's yeah. like, oh, man, there's more with us than are against us. Yeah, I think that's the case. I think when God looks at the church, when God says, I love my church, Jesus isn't up in heaven, pacing the throne room, you know, worried about the church. He looks down and he sees this amazing congregation of people in the earth who are wanting to walk in love and they're following Jesus, even though they're inviting mystery in their lives. I mean, I would say one of the most important things you can think about right now is you are not alone in this and it may, it may feel that way. Um, but you're not, you're not, there are people and, and in the process, God, if you trust what, if you trust love, you'll be led into new relationships, new seasons, new, uh, places and spaces where you can kind of have relationships, these, these conversations. Yeah. Relationships. So yeah. Jesus is, he's yeah. on the road with you. Um, yeah. You're not alone. And I think that's, that's just yeah. so important for people to know. What I share with my kids and I, and I feel like this was one of the more important things I've ever shared with them. The church has often complicated how to hear God, how to recognize him, how to know him as, you know, when you start with distance and separation, which is often how we start, you know, then it's really hard to get to God, it seems, or to get him to come to you. And uh, one of the things I share with them, I said, listen, God is love. And so the way that you become, uh, the way that you become fluent in his language, the way that you recognize him, the way that you build relationship is that you recognize love. And when they were little, I was like, you recognized the love you, when you feel love for your mom, that's God speaking to you. When you feel love for your brother or your sister, that's God speaking. Recognize those moments. And this is where I'm like, this is where, I, where I'm so confident that no matter where you are in your journey, um, he's speaking to you. God is, God is love. She's speaking to you. Holy Spirit is speaking to you. However you're navigating, whatever it is you're undoing and redoing, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nothing separates us from, from God who is love, who loves you. And that, and, and this is the safe place where you can respond to that and you can awaken to that. Yeah. And, and I would add one more thing and that is deconstruction brings a lot of confusion uh, because you, you're, you're tossing out things that you just don't believe anymore or that you yeah. were, you know, misled about God. Um, I think there's an important thing to remember about Jesus. He was known as the Prince of Peace. There are times where there's a demand for a peace that passes understanding. And we see that in Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul talks about it. And he says, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. I think one translation says, let your worries be shaped into prayers. And as you do this, it says you'll get to a point and a place of being thankful about something. And that thankfulness will produce a peace that passes understanding. I firmly believe that a lot of people who are in deconstruction right now, they're in a place where they're trying to understand. I got to understand. I got to understand what's truth, what's real, what's, you know, because this doesn't seem real anymore. This doesn't. And there's confusion. I've just learned to embrace mystery because i think we forfeit yeah, the peace that passes man. understanding when we try to understand everything and that's why it's okay yeah. to say i don't know or i could be yeah. wrong um yeah. my view of hell was this at one point in my life and then 
I began to ha- have that unravel in the in the presence of a loving and gracious and merciful God that I saw in Jesus. And now I can't I can't hold that view of hell anymore and still hold this view of yeah. God. Well, confusion yeah. kind of enters in at that point. So like, well, what do I believe? Yeah. Well, it finally dawned on me. It's like, you know what? I don't really have to have a hell theology to follow Jesus. I, I'll, yeah. I'll find out at, at some point later, but it's okay to walk yeah. in mystery. Yeah. Plus, I mean, why are you teaching about hell anyway? <laughs> well, that's not good we're, news. We're going to spend some time. We'll spend some time on this for sure. This yeah, well, this, this might be a, another but, episode. But no, it's that. That's your point. The the mystery is the biggest piece. I for me, and I love that you you went personal because that's my my personal journey of deconstructing is one where relationship over beliefs uh, is foundational. And I don't know what he's good has been the way that I've done it. I, mm. I don't know as, as a, as a, as a, I've said it when I'm doing a Q and an R a Q and a, uh, on a stage. I also have said it m- most over and over and over again across the table. But, but biggest of all is this, I, I don't know, just in my own life, walking down the road, trying to figure out where I am, uh, I don't know, but he's good. I won't leave his goodness. And that has served me so well. I don't know, but he's good. He looks like Jesus again on a cross, reconciling the world to himself. I won't leave that. That'll be my certainty. And then I can live in the mystery. I can live in the mystery. And by the way, God's really good. At, at some point, he'll bring enlightenment to you in yeah. these areas. He wants He wants to get on the road with you and open the scriptures to you. He wants to do that. Yeah, that's who he is. And and I love the statement when the when the student is ready, the teacher will show up. That's it. That's it. He's a really good teacher. He's the best communicator on the planet, and he knows you better than anyone else. And 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 so you're in a safe place with him. So I don't know, but he's good. Uh, it also frees you up from having conversations with people who do know and will kill you for your for your lack yeah, of yeah. Uh, or beat you yeah. up for your lack of knowing or condemn you for your lack of knowing for your uncertainty. Uh, and so I, that's another piece I, I learned early on. Um, if I'm working through something and it's, it's a vulnerable place. Cause I don't know, I don't invite anyone into that place. I need to be convinced that they're convinced in the goodness of God and that there's a trust here before I that's would, good. I would allow them to, to participate in that part until I've actually got some ideas around it and I've had some experience in it and I've seen the name. How do you know something's true? Because reconciliation is the fruit. I, I see it. Restoration is the fruit. Redemption is the fruit. Oh, I'm onto something. This is real. And this is true because there it is. Resurrection life. I see it. Wholeness is the fruit of it. Okay. Now I'm in a place where I can tackle this with somebody. I processed it. Otherwise they'll beat you up with, with their certainty uh, and their fear and their, and their shame and their condemnation. You know, a lot of people I've known that have been so certain say about maybe, maybe they were like far right in their politics and, uh, yeah. and they've been totally disenfranchised, enfranchised, but all they did was just swung completely to the other side. And now they're like yeah. hard left. And it's like, yeah. get off the political spectrum. This is not where redemption yeah. lies. We got to kind of come yeah. up to this, kingdom perspective of love and and now we can engage from a, a a place of compassion and empathy which is how god related to us by becoming human becoming human was the greatest act of empathy the world has ever yeah. known i mean yeah. empathy gets in someone else's shoes you know while maintaining their own feet uh, someone That's said good. that to me the other day, you know, it's like, cause if you, if you get into someone else's shoes and you become that person that, I mean, you're just going to absorb all their I, I pain. And yeah. You're going to have a horrible yeah. existence. No, God <laughs> stayed God, but he put on flesh because he wanted, he, because he was going to empathize with his beloved yeah. creation. I think, I think things are changing. I feel like um, this, this whole deconstruction, reconstruction, I think it's a beautiful thing. It's it's like the the Japanese art of kitsuki. Kitsuki is a Japanese art that if a potter a piece of pottery or a bowl or something breaks, right? If you drop it and break it, yeah. They'll take the pieces and they'll fill in the cracks with gold, solid gold. Google Japanese kitsuki, kitsuki. And you see these beautiful pieces 
with these veins of gold in them where all the cracks were. If you're in, if you're deconstructing right now, you probably feel like that broken bowl on the kitchen floor. But man, God is God is picking up the pieces and he's put, he's making this this piece a work of art, more beautiful than it was when it fell off the shelf. Amen. When it fell That's out it. of a church That's pew. <laughs> and so, it, uh, you know, you can trust that. You can trust that. Yeah. Bro, I'm looking forward to I'm looking at the time. I'm like, yeah, we've got an hour. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to We've had some amazing guests on uh, already that we've recorded for this season. I'm looking forward to these conversations. I'm looking forward to diving more into, you know, we didn't talk about scripture and inerrancy and it's all these things that uh, can so unnerve and uh, take us away from a sense of confidence in who God is. I'm looking forward to diving into uh, some of these subjects, hell, uh, union, uh, and we've already done some of that. We've had some guests on already that uh, have spoke to leadership and some of the abuses that have taken place there. So, man, yeah. this is fun, bro. Yeah, it's going to be a good season. Uh, I'm looking forward to hanging with you, looking forward to consuming more tacos and uh, <laughs> continuing to uh, to introduce my buzz, my buzz statements every now and then. Like, I love the word of God <laughs> and I like my Bible, too. Oh, we got it in. Awesome, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, I love I guess you, Jason. We're, we're, yeah, I love you too, man. Hey, guys, we're so glad that you are joining us for Rethinking God with Tacos. Uh, you can find me, Derek Turner, at rivercharlotte.com. That's my church. And I'm on all the social medias yes. as Pastor Derek T. D-E-R-E-K, Pastor Derek T. Yeah, and uh, he's a Twitter savant. you got to follow him on Twitter. I... I would like all of your stuff, but I don't want you to think that I'm uh, um, a troll. A troll? No. no. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't want you to think I'm stalking. A fanboy. I'm a fanboy. Absolutely, I, got you. I, got I am. You. You're really good at it, man. <laughs> I'm also on Twitter uh, at Jason Clark is, uh, and you can find all of these podcasts, including season one, on all of the platforms: Apple, uh, Spotify, Spotify uh, all the places. All the places. You can also go to afamilystory.org and everything's there if you sign up for our mailing list we send out a weekly email that has uh, articles podcast information and uh, we also let you know about new books coming out or events that we're uh, connected to so yeah. uh, like share retweet and uh, and man if you could write a review it, it actually does something for the rankings it, it, it makes does it more available, yeah so. but a five star review of course <laughs> yes you know if you can't write a five star review or something <laughs> Like just don't even write don't, a review. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like if you can't say something nice, don't say anything, don't say at, anything all. at all. I, I like that, and then apply that to this podcast. Definitely, <laughs> that's my motto. That's I like what it. I do. I love it. So, love you guys. Appreciate you coming on the ride with us. God bless.